0: And they were the kind of choices that changed his life, the kind of choices that will change our lives if we will decide to make them. And so here's the question: you know, what happens to you in life, or a statement, sorry, what happens to you in life is not nearly as important as the choices you make. What happens to you in life is not nearly as important as the choices you make. Why is that? Well, we can't control our circumstances. We can't control the stuff that happens to us, but we can control How we choose to respond to those circumstances. We make our choices, and then ultimately our choices make us. Your character is the sum total of your choices today. So while you don't control all those circumstances, you do control how you react, how you respond. In Hebrews 11, there are five verses on the life of Moses that explain the choices he made. The first verse is about the choice his parents made when he was a baby. And then the next four verses are about the choices that Moses made. And if you will make these, if, if I will make these, they will dramatically change the, the outcome of the rest of our lives. So the story of Moses, just a quick recap. You remember that, uh, you know, way back, Joseph moved all of his family to Egypt. And uh, he was a really important guy in Egypt. And the Israelites grew into this great nation while they were there. And then a Pharaoh came along who didn't know Joseph, and he put them all into slavery. And so they're slaves in Egypt and there are, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of them even who are working as slave labor in Egypt. And Moses, one day, uh, you know, Pharaoh's worried that that these Israelites are going to take over. So he orders all of the male babies killed and Moses is born and his parents think, you know, like any parent would, we don't want him to be killed. And so they put him in a basket and they set him afloat in the river. And when uh, he sort of came to shore, he came to shore where one of Pharaoh's daughters was, was bathing. So Moses gets raised in the Pharaoh's palace. He gets raised as a prince. And we come to this, this sort of part of the story where Paul is talking about Moses. And, uh, and here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. Now remember... Moses is actually Jewish. He's actually a Jew, but he's been raised as an Egyptian in the Pharaoh's palace. And here's what it says in verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Every parent thinks that, right? And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated rather along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And from those verses today, I want us to look at four things. The first one is this. The first choice that you need to make to impact your future for the better, to dramatically impact your future is this. I refuse to be defined by others. I refuse to be defined by others. God did not make you to be somebody else or what somebody else wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your parents want you to be. Sorry, parents. What your girlfriend or boyfriend wants you to be, what your wife wants you to be, God did not make you to be what your boss wants you to be. Although you should listen to him if you want to get paid. But here's the thing. You are an individual. God created you that way. He made you to be you. And if you're going to become all that you can be, you're going to have to deal with this this one thing. I refuse to be defined by others. Verse 24 says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, we all have to grow up sometime, right? Right? Sorry for you younger folks, but it's going to happen one day. It's it's the mark of, of maturity. When he had grown up, he stood up for himself. That's what this verse is saying. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, Moses has got an identity crisis. He's born a Hebrew slave. He's raised Egyptian royalty, the grandson of Pharaoh. And he and as he's growing up, he's got to decide, who am I? am I? Am I Egyptian or am I Jewish? And this decision is going to affect the rest of his life. He'll either live in grand luxury in the palace or he'll live in slavery with the Jews. That's a hard decision to make, isn't it? He'll have power, he'll have prestige, he'll have status or he'll be nobody. And they're going to kick him out and, and all of that stuff is going to happen. So which choice would you make? Which one would you choose? Think about that. Moses knew deep down inside who he was. He was Jewish at the core. His parents were Jewish. You remember the story. His nanny actually ended up being his mother, right? Because his sister was watching in the bushes and she ran and said, you know, I I know somebody that could look after him for you. And so they hired his own mother to to raise him. So you know that uh, he learned about who he was while he was growing up in the Pharaoh's palace. And so Moses has this tough tough choice to make. He refused to live a lie because he's a man of integrity. You know, a lot of people today are are living lies. They're trying to be people they're not, trying to impress people about things that really just aren't true in their lives, and that can cause enormous tension and stress and pressure. But Moses insisted on being who God made him to be against all kinds of other peer pressures. And so you know, here's a question for us today. Who are you letting determine your identity? Who are you letting determine your identity? Is it your friends? Are you bowing to the pressure that they're putting on you to be somebody that they think you should be so that you can be cool? Is it your, you know, your parents? Are you trying to please them and, and do what it is that, that they're hoping that you will do? Is it you know, your, your family or, your, or society in general? Are you buying into the whole sort of media presentation kind of lie that says, you know, if it feels good, do it. And, you know, let's just let's let's just take life easy. Romans 12 and verse 2 in the Phillips translation says this. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. Those are good words today. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Paul reminds us that we are to be concerned about pleasing God and not pleasing other people. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4, he states it this way, our purpose, our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. And I, I think that this is so important today that we can't really deal with anything else until we deal with this one thing. Because when you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of disapproval. When you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of other people's disapproval. There's a couple things at play there. There's envy, envy that says, you know, I need to be like you to be happy. We look and the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But then there's also, you know, people pleasing that says, I need to be liked by you in order to be happy. And neither of those things are true. If you know who you are, you can be happy without all that other stuff. And so this is what Moses did. He decided to live for an audience of one. And your first life-shaping choice is to say this. I resolve that I will no longer let other people press me into their mold. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to fulfill the plan that God has for my life. Not somebody else's plan, but God's plan for me. Refuse to be defined by others. And then the second choice that you need to make in life to be all that God wants you to be is this. I refuse to settle for instant gratification. I refuse to settle for instant gratification. This is critical. And here's the reason, because most of the problems in your life come from your inability to delay gratification. Our entire society is framed around it. The reason that that you're in debt is because of your inability sometimes to delay gratification because you say, you know, I see it. Well, that looks really nice. I want it. I want it now. Do I have the money for it? Well, no. Can I afford it? Well, no, not really. So I'm going to charge it on my credit card and going to, you know, pay it off later. Every time you use a credit card to buy something you can't afford, you are settling for instant gratification. This can cause spiritual problems, too, because do you ever notice how the the easy thing to do is typically not the right thing to do? The right thing to do is usually the hard thing, isn't it? You know, you get into a situation and you know in your heart what's right and you think, man, it would be so much easier if I did this, you know? The easy thing is never the right thing to do. It's always the hard thing to do. And so we, we, we jump, we want to we wanna do what's easy. If somebody hurts me, the easy thing is to hurt them back, but that's settling for instant gratification. The right thing to do is forgive them. That's not easy. That's not painless. It's painful to forgive. I don't want to let it go. I want to forgive them. Or I mean, I don't want to forgive them. I want to carry a grudge. That's what I want to do. The right thing is often the hard thing to do, but it is always the better thing to do in the end. You see, Delayed gratification, refusing to settle for that instant that instant easy moment is where we, need to, where we need to get to. Here's what Moses did in verse 25. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. So Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He knows sin is pleasurable. Sin is, is one of those things that is immediate gratification. It's pleasurable to eat too much. It's pleasurable to do all kinds of things that are not good for you. It feels good. It feels natural even. Even the Bible says it, but it says that the pleasure of sin is only for a season. It is short term. It's instant gratification. And you can go out and have your kicks. God's not going to stop you, but at some point, you're going to experience the kickbacks, right? At some point, there's going to be consequences. You are free to choose. No problem. But you are not free from the consequences of your choices. And you've got to take responsibility for those. And so when Moses had grown up, when he got to the point where he had some spiritual maturity, some, some, some season in his life, he made an important decision. He started to accept the responsibility for his own spiritual growth. And he decided he would identify with his people rather than with the Egyptians. He would be mistreated with them rather than enjoy the 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 luxuries, and the pleasures of sin for a short season. You know, we try and blame all kinds of things for our lack of spiritual growth. You know, this happened to me. My family is this way. My friends are this way. There's too much pressure. But you can't blame anybody else for the direction of your life. And I'm quoting Rick Warren directly here. He says this, if it sucks, it's because you're letting it suck. All right? That's what he says. And and let me be real clear, we are the products of our past, but we don't have to be the prisoners of our past. Yes, your past has influenced you, but it does not control you. Nobody can ruin your life except you. They don't have the power to ruin you because you have the power of choice. They can hurt you, they can harm you, they can scar you, but they cannot ruin you unless you allow them to do it. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says we can have joy even in our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces hope. And so we go through seasons of trial and trouble, but it's working something else some maturity, some character in our lives. So I know when I'm going through short-term pain, when I'm refusing to settle for instant gratification, it is producing character in my life. The second thing I know God promised us is he's going to reward us for the pain that we're going to suffer now. He's gonna reward us later. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 says, yet these present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. And so we're going to have eternity to celebrate short-term pain for long-term gain, refusing to settle for instant gratification because God's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. Catch that one. God's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. So what do I do? First thing I do is I say I'm going to refuse to let myself be defined by other people. Secondly, I'm going to refuse to settle for instant gratification. That's what Moses did, and there are two more choices that you need to make. And Pastor Rick is going to tell you what they are.
1: <laughs> he only got paid for half a week this week, so he only got half a message. That's it, right? He didn't get into the office till Wednesday, so he he abdicates a lot of things. Now, this morning, I want to focus on how we are going to respond as a church this fall. We are going to enter a 40-day journey, and if we look back through Scripture, we see that there are a lot of significant journeys that take place in 40 days where God transforms the lives of people, the faith lives of people, and just their everyday life. We look at, we look at Jesus in, in the desert. We look at the, 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 the significance of the number 40 in that, in that journey, and that's what we're going to embark upon and Jeremy and Amanda and I, we really believe that what God is calling to uh, us to, to lead this fall is to have a full expression of the presence of, of Christ in this community. We've had a great Sunday meeting and actually after, after service this morning, you can't run away because we've got like a massive cake that we're going to celebrate everything that Pastor Jeff and Sharon have done and established here over the last two years. And we're going to we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna celebrate together what God has done, because we have a great meeting and a great, a great um, opportunity to come together and celebrate every Sunday. But we believe that the next steps are for us to really, to, to really embark upon what it would look like if God transformed not only our lives, but also the lives of our neighbors in, the, in our community. Did you get one of these on the way in, or I, I, guess, I guess it's in your bulletin? Put this on your fridge, or or tape it to somebody's head that you see every day, or something. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it, because the, these are just some high level events that are going that we believe we need to start making sure that there are opportunities for each of us to be inviting people out to experience community, and to and to experience chili, and to experience all kinds of things. But really, the presence of God that's resident in our lives. So we want to lead us as a body, not only on a 40-day journey as a church, but also individually. So we are challenging everyone and inviting you to join us in this journey. And this isn't just Rick and Jeff's idea of what's a good thing to do. We're, we're, We're going to go back to Moses, and let's look at what he did and how he embarked upon a journey that really transformed his life. And it begins with choosing God's values, not the world's. We look in verse 26. We read this earlier. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He decided to put the things that mattered most to God as most important in his world. Now, this may or may not shock you, but sometimes the things that we prioritize in the Western world aren't the exact same things that God prioritizes. I don't, I, I don't want to blow anybody's mind. I don't want don't to shake your world, but it could be that some of the things that are priorities in our community are not quite the same thing that God would have us prioritize. What would be the typical priorities of a family in Milton? If you think about it, what would people really, really say, hey, this is important to me? What do you think? Family? Friends? Safety? finances, yeah, making sure we're financially stable, leisure time, we want to make sure we have time to do leisure, we want to, want to make sure we're planning for retirement, we want to make sure our kids are going to good schools. The topic today, remember, is preparing for the rest of your life, and when it comes to prioritizing God's way, we need to think about a couple of things, that God's purpose trumps Popularity. By faith, this is verse 24, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as, Pharaoh, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Jeff looked at this earlier. The popular decision, or the decision that makes the most, or makes people the most happy with you, is often not going to be in line with God's purpose in our lives. As we're looking at what, how we should be making decisions and how we should be prioritizing, it's not always going to be what everyone else thinks is great for us. And Jeff did touch on this. But think about this. Before deciding to lead a Jewish revolt against Egypt and wander into oblivion for 40 years, do you remember what Moses' future was? Pharaoh's grandson, the potential heir to the throne? If he had gone to his mom and said, Mom, I'm going to lead these people, do you think I should go to the desert and live in no man's land for a bunch? Or should I stay in the palace and be the grandson of the Pharaoh? I think I know what Mrs. Moses would have said. The popular decision, though, is not always going to align with what God's purpose is for our lives. God needed Moses to learn to survive in the desert. He was going to lead a nation for 40 years in the wilderness. He needed to spend some time learning how to do that. Moses met his wife in the desert, started a relationship with his father-in-law, who would, in end, help him judge and rule the people of Israel. He learned lessons of faith and how to trust God when he went into the desert. He experienced the burning bush moment. He experienced miracles that God had done. If he had stuck with what was the popular decision, it would have led him far away from what God wanted. Have you ever wrestled with one of these decisions? When when God is speaking to you and saying, this is really where I'm leading you. This is what I want you to prioritize in your life. It doesn't line up with what might make logical sense or with what other people are saying would be good for you. But what God calls you to something Money, popularity, the opinions of other people, it just doesn't matter. Why do you do what you do? Not just your job, maybe even your ministry. Why do you work or serve in the place that you do? If you value God's purpose on your life more than anything else, you will you will start to discover true joy and and, this fall, we are challenging us as a church to start to value God's purpose for your life more than anything else. Not what makes comfort, not what's comfortable, not what makes sense, not what makes sense most financially, but whatever God has purposed for you, make that priority number one. It also is important to be uh, that that uh, people take priority over pleasure. We saw in verse twenty-five that he was mistreated instead of the the. Um, Instead of uh, enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. But we know that one of the world's key values is personal pleasure. If you live your life and you're happy and you're well, then all is good. And we're going to unpack this one a lot deeper when we get later on in the series. But that idea flies in the face of what God's values are. God says that if it makes somebody else feel better, then prioritize that. If what we're about to do or think or say minimizes the needs of anybody else, makes somebody else feel awkward, overlooks their needs and takes care of our own needs, then then we've got it backwards. It means prioritizing a missions trip over the Disney holiday. It means restricting our own freedom sometimes if it would make other people around us feeling awkward. This sounds familiar to us. We know we know these kinds of concepts it's it's not just a children's book that we should treat others the way we want to be treated it's one of the 10 commandments and like i said this is a whole topic we're going to delve into a little bit deeper when we get into the series and we start looking at how we're prioritizing things but preparing to live this new phase of life entering this journey includes prioritizing other people over the pleasures of herself the third little sub thought there is that peace of mind is also more valuable than our possessions Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking ahead to his reward. Again, we see Moses offered the world of the palace and instead he takes closeness with the Lord. In God's upside down economy, often it requires giving things up to achieve true richness, right? The self-check that you can do is if you have anything that you're fairly certain that you would have difficulty sacrificing for the Lord if he asked you to, if there's anything in your life that's taken that place, then things might have become twisted a little bit. There's this false truth that's pervaded around by the world that you can buy peace of mind, or there's some way that you can just discover peace with insurance or a financial plan or an alarm system or meditation. It comes from having a secure future in eternity with our Lord. In 1 John two seventeen it says, the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. That's true value. And this fall, we are going to discover that as we go through this 40-day journey and seeing how are we going to put God's values into our life as we live it in 2013. Last thought this morning is that I choose to live by faith rather than by fear by faith moses left egypt not fearing the king's anger he he persevered because he saw him who is invisible which is pretty cool seeing the invisible maybe that was just like an analogy i don't know if it was actually that he saw an invisible guy there teach me on that one later okay jeremy (laughs) moses walked up to the most powerful man in the world figure this he walks up to the most powerful man in the world at the time And he looked at him, and he said, I'm going to take all your cheap laborers away, just so you know. It's like walking up to your boss and saying, I'm going to take your stuff, I'm going to take your employees, and we're starting our own company next door because God said so. That's why. (laughs) Try that. See how that goes. No, don't try that. It won't go well. As you reposition your your life, you'll discover that the closer you get to God, the less fear of people you have. (laughs) Moses could walk up to Pharaoh and say all this and actually believe it was going to happen because he had had this encounter, this closeness with God. And that's what we want to see this fall. We want to have this encounter where we have this this true richness and closeness and belief that God is right there and maybe we're not going to do a startup company next door to our boss's company because that's not what he's calling us to do. But if he's calling us to do something, we're going to believe that he will follow through for us. 2 Timothy 1, seven, God has not given us, for, for the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. Sorry, I was quoting a different version and we got this one on the screen. For the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Fear is a powerful force that is in our lives. And sometimes it's dictating how we operate. Think about it. If you're considering a move in life, fear might be the one major dominant force that's influencing it. Professionally, we fear making a move laterally up or down because we don't know how that's going to affect our financial situation. But if God's calling us to do it, we can have faith to do it. Relationally, we don't know. We don't want to risk the unknown. There's fear there. When, When God's calling us to step out into the church and, in, and, and, and to serve in a new way or to share our faith in the community. We have this fear of failing or fear of, what, fear of what people may believe about us. This fall, we are on a path to discover how we can make the bold move. And the, the, only, reason that, the only reason that Amanda and I are here is because we believe that we're making a bold move and that God's calling us to. I don't speak of what I don't know. I spent the last 14 months establishing myself in a new field, and a new career, building up a client base because I believe God said so. And then God spoke. Sometimes God's voice in my life sounds a lot like the voice of Pastor Doug. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> but I invested 14 months after, after, after 10 years of ministry and, and taking this big step of faith and saying, no God, no, Rick, you're going this way and I'm doing this. And I just established everything and felt good. And then God spoke. And it didn't matter anymore. I didn't have the fear. I said, okay, God, if that's what you're calling, then here I am. I'm going to go and serve where you've called me to serve. Because when you speak, I'm going to go. And I'm not going to have this fear. And when you live by God's values and by listening to his voice, faith choices become only too natural and become only too easy. You know, Hebrews, you know what it says in Hebrews 11:6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God anyway. And it would be great to stand here and say that you'll never face a difficult or scary situation again where you're going to need to make a bold decision, but that would just be a blatant lie. You might face one this week. You'll probably face one this fall as we go through this journey where you're going to have to make a bold decision in your life. And we want to get to the place as a church and as individuals where we can say, I have seen the invisible God. I know who he is, and when he calls me to do it, I'm able to step forward and do that. That's the journey we want to go on this fall. So in closing, I'm calling you and calling ourselves, myself as a church to consider four choices, practically, that we can make. Number one, I, I want you to choose to be here for the next six weeks. And don't come alone, bring a friend. We're going to go on this journey together starting next Sunday. And we're going to go through this book. And Rick Warren has, has, is kind of going to be our guide a little bit. But we're, we're going to see how that plays out for us in our world, in our family, in our church here. But for the next six weeks, we are going to go together collectively, collaboratively as a church and start to discover what on earth am I here for. I'm going to challenge us as well, number two, to do the daily readings. We, you, can, you can get a book. It's 19 bucks. If you don't want it, you can download it, I'm sure, on your Kobo or something for a little bit cheaper if you want to do that. Or you can just borrow one and pass it around. Find a cost-effective way to do it. But whatever it is, I'm going to challenge you to do the daily readings. He's got it set aside. It's like two and a half pages a day. I'm sure you can find time to do that. Maybe a little more, but it's not huge. (laughs) To do the daily readings, to go along with this journey. Because we are really going to discover something amazing as we go through this. Number three going to challenge you to choose to memorize a weekly verse of scripture. There's one key verse every week. And did anybody grow up in like a Sunday school environment where they got where they got like candies and stuff like that? You could like institute that at, at home. You could have like the candy jar and whoever can memorize the verse, they get like to put like not just little candies, but like big like Snickers bars or something like that. And the first one who's got it memorized or the one who's got it at the end of the week, they get... Make it fun, make it family, whatever you want to do, have a challenge. But I want us to start to have scripture on our tongues and in our hearts and resonant. You know when, when we say things like the word of God is life to us? It's life when it becomes resonant in our hearts and we can speak it and we can live it. So we're going to see if we can remember six sentences over the next six weeks. I believe in us, six sentences. I really think we can do it. Jeremy can. Hey, that's... <laughs> six sentences we're going to do it. Let's remember a weekly scripture verse. And number four, be a part of a small group. We have a few groups that are meeting. We've got three that have been existing. We got a couple more that would be starting. And afterwards, when we go down into the mezzanine, we're going to, uh, if, if you're not a part of a CLG, a small group meeting, I want you to write your name down on that. There's, there's a little clipboard and just say, yeah, I would commit even just for the next six weeks, I can't maybe do that for the rest of my life, but I'm going to try it for the next six weeks and I'm going to be a part of a group. You may feel like I can lead one of these things. Check me out. So write that down, I'll lead it. You may think, I don't want to lead that, but I have a house and I have a room and you can sit in my house. Write down that you can, that you can be a host or you might think, I don't want to lead, I don't want to host, but I'll show up and talk with people. Then just write your name down as well. And we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to connect in a small group. So four things. We're going to be here to do this collectively. We're going to read the book. We're going to memorize some scripture. And we're going to get involved in a small group. And we are ready to see just what on earth we are here for. And let God bring us through this amazing 40-day journey. Can we pray? God, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you lead us in journeys like this. God, I am so excited. I prayed before at the beginning um, when our team was together, Lord, that I'm already, I'm already thankful for the changes that we are going to see. God, at the end of this journey, we are going to be different people. God, we are going to be in a different space with you. Our neighbors are going to be different people. People who don't know you right now today will have their lives transformed by the power of Jesus working through us and working in them. And God, I thank you for those people already. God, I thank you that they're going to be a part of our church and a part of our journey for the next time to come, Lord. God, I ask that the Spirit be so clear and evident in our, in, our, in our large meetings here, in our small group meetings, in our personal devotional times. God, would you just transform us? We submit ourselves to you. We say, God, we need this. We want to know what you've purposed us to do and to be both individually and as a church. And God, we are so excited for what's to come. We ask this all in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite our, our our ushers if we have just like if we get a couple of people who could who could help us out this morning by taking an offering, and um, if you are a visitor this morning, please feel no pressure to give. This is part of our our worship. We give our tithes and we give our offering every every Sunday for those of us who are part of this church. So if you're if you're visiting with us, please feel no pressure. But if you are a regular member, we thank you for your faithful giving. And guys, just go ahead and start to start to receive that now. And as they do, start to receive that. Remember, afterwards we're having we're having some cake and this and a celebration time. I invite Pastor Jeff to come back.